can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. Everybody, welcome to Testing Thursdays with Wayne. I uh, hope you had a great week. I know I did. Uh, very busy, very very busy week. Um, it's funny, you know, since since I retired, I feel like I'm more busier now than I was when when I was working. Weird that way. Anyhow, it's almost been. Well, actually, it was a year on September 16th, which was uh, Saturday. That was my one year anniversary of being completely retired. Um, doesn't mean that uh, I'm not still involved, obviously, uh, but it means that I no longer work for um, a company anymore. I am independent. Yay. So, uh, what are we going to talk about today? Well, this particular topic came up as a result of a conversation I had with some of the other uh, talking pool hosts, and that has to do with what products do we use to change a specific parameter, what treatment products. And I'm particularly focusing in on on water balance parameters. So we've got three of the five parameters in water balance you can change chemically. The other two you can't. Um, Obviously temperature and TDS. So let's talk about alkalinity and pH and calcium chloride. And I'm gonna start with the last one first because that's the easiest one. So we all know that you, you use calcium chloride to raise calcium harness readings. We all know, all know this for those areas that have to raise it. Uh, and to lower calcium harness readings, we dilute uh, and add water of a lesser amount. We know this. Okay, this is pretty simple. But when it comes to alkalinity and pH adjustments, uh, everybody's all over the place. So we always look at alkalinity first. Right? Because alkalinity kind of controls the environment is the best way to put it. I always use the visual of an umbrella. You know, uh, the right size umbrella over pH, then you've got uh, a happy, happy pH person. Too big of an, uh, too big of an umbrella, you're over buffered, and pH just freezes in place. It's called pH lock. And too little of an umbrella protecting pH. Um, doesn't work because pH is going to move all around the place, try to find its happy spot called pH bounce. We all know this. And we all know that acids will lower alkalinity and will lower pH, whether it's dry acid um, or whether it's the liquid form, muriatic acid. It doesn't matter. It's still going still to have the same effect. It's going to lower that parameter. But when we talk about raising pH or raising alkalinity, there are certain specific uh, treatment products that will uh, work better in some situations than others. Uh, first of all, let's talk soda ash. Okay, uh, soda ash is commonly used for the most part to increase pH. 
Okay, has been around for for a while. Uh, it's uh, also known as sodium carbonate at 100%. Notice how I said sodium carbonate, not bicarbonate, carbonate. Okay, soda ash, and that's commonly used to raise pH. Now, uh, a lot of people will use sodium bicarbonate or bicarb to raise alkalinity, okay? But guess what? Bicarbonates have also an increasing effect on pH. And soda ash, sodium carbonate, has an increasing effect on alkalinity. Not great, mind you, but it does, okay? So in some situations... You can use just one of those products to kill two birds with one stone. So, for example, say you had a situation in which your alkalinity was low um, and, say, less than 80 parts per million, and your pH was on the low side, too. Okay, it was like 7.1, 7.2, something like that. Okay, What do you do? Well, using soda ash, okay, will... Um, will have that increasing effect on pH and have a slight increasing effect on alkalinity, okay? Soda ash. So you're killing two birds with one stone. Now, some people will say, well, Mr. Wayne, uh, can't you use bicarb for the same thing? Well, technically you could, but, you know, it, it's a matter of, of, of cost. It's a matter of product availability, um, a whole slew of, of ifs that are involved in figuring out which one you want to use. Um, but it, in, in this case, you know, soda ash will, will take care of the situation. Now, what if you had a situation where you had a really high pH but a low alkalinity? Okay. Well, common sense would tell you, okay, I'm going to use bicarb to, to raise my alkalinity. But isn't that going to have a same, uh, an increasing effect on pH? Yeah. And in the same light, what if you had a situation where you had a high alkalinity and a low pH? Okay. Well, you know, um, we're taught use soda ash to raise the pH. But guess what? That soda ash is also going to raise your alkalinity level a little bit. So it's, it's always a, like a, a one-two punch when you're talking um, alkalinity and pH adjustments. You have to be very, very careful. So, so how, how do you deal with this? Well, there's a couple theories out there about it. Um, if you have a, um, low, a, a low alkalinity and a high pH environment, okay, uh, what I used to recommend was, okay, go ahead and, and don't lower the pH first with acid because you're going to bottom out in your alkalinity and you just shoot yourself in the foot with problems. Uh, what I always recommended was, okay, look at alkalinity and raise it to an appropriate level, okay, between 80 and 100, and go up about 20 to 30 parts per million more than, than what, you know, all the charts tell you to. And then when you, after you've finished adding all that, then you're going to add a little bit of acid, okay, and I'm talking a little bit of acid uh, at a time to lower your pH once you've done a um, uh, an acid demand test. Yeah, that's right. An acid demand test. You know it's in your test kit. Have you ever done one? Probably not. Okay, same thing with a base demand test. Acid demand test, 
means that the water is demanding to be more acidic or demanding to be more basic. Okay. You have to use these. Um, you have to do these tests in order to figure out how much of the treatment product to add to do whatever it is you need to do. Okay. So in a situation where you have a high alkalinity and a low pH, what do you do? Well, you can use your soda ash to raise your pH to a higher level than what you want. Like you know, we all know the ideal range for pH is 7.4 to 7.6. We know this. Okay. Well, if you raised your pH to say a 7.8 initially, okay, yeah, your alkalinity is going to come up a little bit, but then again, you're going to add that acid little by little to both lower the pH and the alkalinity. Okay. So it's it's a it's a juggle. It's it's it it can be it can be very difficult, it can be very nerve-wracking, it can be a pain in the ass, but you're you're trying to play that that great big you know um, wheel of of adjustments uh, for alkalinity and pH, and sometimes it's tough. Sometimes it's very very difficult. Sometimes you have to just work with what you got, which is not necessarily a good thing. Okay. Um, now there are some states, um, as suggested by our our talking pool people, that uh, in Florida. <laughs> um, People down there just love to play around with alkalinity and, and, and they use bicarb all the time. Okay. And, and I'm going to quote, um, him, Rudy actually, who said that, uh, Florida is a state that uses bicarb like they use Robitussin, <laughs> uh, for, as the universal cure all. Uh, this was a while ago, you know, back in the eighties and nineties, but still people do it today. Okay. So you got to be really, really careful. Okay, uh, when you're talking about these kind of adjustments for alkalinity and 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 pH, um, so you know everybody is has been so focused on you know, got to treat alkalinity first, got to deal with that, got to deal. With okay, yeah, that that's true generally, but there are times in which you don't need to do that. Okay, you're going to use um, soda ash that will have a greater impact on pH with a minimal effect on alkalinity. And bicarb has a has a bigger effect on alkalinity with a small effect on pH. But we're talking soda ash here. I'm not talking bicarb. I'm talking soda ash here. <clears throat> so it depends on, again, availability. Sorry for the dogs barking. Um, it depends on the availability of the product. Um, no, I am not killing the dogs. I want to sometimes, but no. Fact, they're not even my dogs. My dog's gone uh, across the Rainbow Bridge a few months ago. They we're just watching these guys. Anyhow, I digress, like usual. Um, depending upon availability, depending upon pricing, things of that nature, will we'll help you define which one it is you want to use. Now, now, thank goodness, um, most. Can I can I really say that? Yeah, I would say most of the pools that that I have talk to people about over the years uh, don't have that extreme in alkalinity, like say high alkalinity, low pH or high pH and low alkalinity. You don't, it's not as common as everybody thinks it might be. Nine times out of 10, if anything, it's going to be a higher alkalinity than pH. Um, because remember all the products that we add to pool and to recreational water, not just pools, but spots too, but recreational water have their own unique pHs. 
Okay. We all know that all the, the chlorine products that are out there, the hypochlorite products, for example, calhypo, sodium hypochlorite, lithium, if you can find it, all have very high pHs. Trichlor is pH, the tablet, very, very, very acidic. Dichlor is the lucky guy, I guess. He's almost pH neutral at 6.6. But for the most common products, the trichlors, you got, you can, if you overdo it, you're going to lower, lower your pH. If you overdo it with uh, the hypochlorite products, you're going to raise your pH. Okay. All, all the other products, the algicides have specific pHs depending upon the product. And that can be found on the MS, oh, MS, right. Uh oh. SDS sheet for that particular product. Um, but everything we add to, to, to recreational water can affect pH and alkalinity uh, to a degree. And the most common one is us, people, humans. I mean, we have all the stuff on our bodies uh, that come off when we get into pool water. You know, of course, we never rinse off or shower before we get in. Of course not. Why should we? Uh, but, you know, an overaccumulation of those kind of uh, uh, organic-based products, um, the pieces, can also affect pH and alkalinity. So it's, it's, it's a tough nut to crack. It, it's not easy. Um, sometimes you have to play the game of over-adding over um, a product and then catching it up later, uh, like I mentioned earlier. But it's still not easy to do. Um, and also, I, I've had I've talked to people over the years where um, they've they've say, "Oh, I've got a new trick for you, Mister Wayne." Okay, what is it? I've got a, I'm I'm adding my acid in the deep end, and I'm adding my um, soda ash on the shallow end. What? Yeah, so I can I can do two things at the same time. No, doesn't work like that. You know, this is called chemistry, people. Uh, you don't want to add two treatment products at the same time. God forbid right behind each other because you could create a chemical catastrophe, um, basically um, a big time chemical catastrophe. You should only ever add one treatment product at a time. And ideally, ideally uh, in a perfect world, you should wait at least a turnover um, between treatment product additions. And, you know, turnover of course is any anywhere between six to eight hours. And I know it might be time consuming and, and, you know, if you're a service person uh, out there and you, you can only see your customer once a week, twice a week, whatever, I know it can be a pain, but that's the way it should be done. Uh, and there's a big difference between how it should be done and how it really, how, it, how it's done in reality. And yeah, I know that I get it. Um, but still, um, you, you have to be, you have to take care and understand that, these kind of chemical reactions can can be positive in nature, meaning you did it right, you added it right, um, and in the right order and the right amount, uh, and it's going to do whatever it is you want you want it to do by adding that product if you follow instructions, if you take your time. Um, now, I know that most of us don't believe in taking your time because we got to get to the next pool. I get that. I understand it. You know, that's that's reality. That's life. But, you know, when, when you're talking about chemical adjustments and treatment, you want to make sure you're doing right by your customer and by you. Okay, You, you don't want to do you, you don't want to make a mistake that's going to cause your customer to to be really pissed at you and fire you or whatever, uh, or could cause them bodily harm. You don't want that. Okay, And however unintentional it, it might be, 
uh, you still don't want it because that can just exacerbate a situation, exacerbate, exacerbate problems. So you want to be careful, okay? You want to follow the charts that are out there as far as how much to add, when, and, and how much to add, and how much will it affect uh, a, a, a parameter. Now, for those of you who might be CPOs, it's it's in the back of the book on the chart there. Um, most test kit manufacturers uh, have charts or some kind of chart uh, in the back of the booklet that might be in, in a test kit that will tell you exactly how much to add to do whatever it is you need to do. Okay, so it's, it's important that you follow that. And you know, don't necessarily think more is better. It, it's not in, in most cases. Okay, don't overdo it. Don't underdo it either. You know, figure it out how much you need to add and then, then do it. Um, and again, though, you know, when you're talking alkalinity adjustments and you're talking pH adjustments, you're talking you know, a whole separate category of potential problems uh, unless you follow instructions and you use the right product to do whatever it is you need them to do. Okay, so now that I've finger wagged at everybody, um, I'll step off my soapbox a little. Um, want to thank uh, um, a few people that that have sent in some topic suggestions and and have asked some technical questions. Um, appreciate that. We're always looking to to expand our knowledge uh, and to to talk about things that affect us in the real world as far as what we do. Uh, and and the the goal here is to pass along and talk about information and topics that are relevant, uh, that actually, you know, people will actually listen to and, and hopefully understand and know that it's a real world environment and not just something, say, a manufacturer has or hasn't because, you know, we're, we're not beholden to, to a manufacturer necessarily. Yes, we do have sponsors and we thank them enormously, okay, but... Uh, it is not up to us necessarily to talk about, you know, endorsing specific products or, or, or anything like that. Uh, yes, we use a lot of stuff. We test a lot of stuff. We know what products are good in the field and what aren't good in the field or could be improved in the field and anything like that. But we try to give you the best possible, most current uh, information on, on anything really related to the industry. So please, 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 please feel free. To, to pop us an email uh, at talkingpools at gmail.com. That's talkingpools at gmail.com. And we will get them, uh, take a look at them, um, sort them out to the various hosts uh, where their expertise might lie, and uh, talk about it on air. And uh, if yours comes up, you're going to get a little special gift from us. Not gonna tell you what it is, but but it's something very nice. Hope you appreciate it. Um, that's all I really have for today. Uh, I know it was a little short-lived live, whatever you want to call it, um, but it was a topic that, that came up actually this morning in discussions, and it, I felt it pertinent enough to, to draw your attention to. So if you have um, any comments, any suggestions, again, send them to talkingpools at gmail.com. And we will, we will get back to you in some way, shape, or form. Uh, with that being said, I hope everybody stays safe out there. And I'll be talking at you next week. Bye-bye.
I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People for the Pool People by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 